0: Hi dance friends, and welcome to the Dance Edit Podcast. I'm editor and producer Margaret Fuhrer, here a day earlier than usual this Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. And actually this episode, which is a special partnership with the Kennedy Center, is very Thanksgiving appropriate. It's a conversation that's full of gratitude for Tina Ramirez, the renowned and beloved founder of Ballet Hispanico, who passed away in September. Our guests today are Eduardo Velaro, the current Artistic Director and CEO of Ballet Hispanico, and Verdery Roosevelt, who served as the company's Executive Director for more than 30 years, from 1978 to 2010. So Verdery helped Tina implement her vision for a cultural sanctuary for Latinx dancers and dance styles, a space for them to flourish. And Eduardo, who danced with the company under Tina and Verdery's leadership, is now building and expanding upon that vision, with a particular focus on the organization's art as advocacy. Ballet Hispanico's new evening-length work Doña Perón, which the company is about to perform at the Kennedy Center, reflects both the company's bedrock principles and its new trajectory. It's the story of an iconic Latina told by Latina choreographer, Annabella Pozzochoa, danced by this company of Latinx artists and performed for a huge multicultural audience. It is in itself a work of advocacy. It was such a privilege to hear Eduardo and Verdery, these two very thoughtful, deeply experienced leaders, talk about legacy and diversity and their memories of Tina. Here they are. Eduardo Verdery, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here.
0: I actually wanted to begin by discussing your relationship, the two of you, since you've known each other for a while now. Can you talk a little about how you got to know each other and then how you've worked together over the years?
2: Well, Eduardo uh, came into Ballet Hispanico in 1985, perhaps? Yes, that's right. He was immediately one of the core of dancers that was shaping Ballet Hispanica's future. These aren't things you know when they happen, but this was pretty obvious. And um, the dancers were always very communicative. I I hoped I I was the same with them. And it just became... they became so important to what we were doing. And so I feel like that created a relationship that I've treasured ever since. I mean, it's, and it has been a very long time, Um, but how many, we must've spent 10 years, um, maybe more um, in, you know, in daily communication and on a lot of times. Um, And Eduardo did more than the company. He was very much involved in education and um even in training and working with the students on um, performing and so it was a very rich engagement
1: um for for me you know i'm i'm so glad i have this opportunity to speak about Verdery and our relationship um from the moment that i arrived in at ballet hispanico as a young dancer i noticed the integrity the um the focus that Verdery had for the organization and the un, unmoving nerve to just continue and push. And that taught me a lot, it did. So, so you know, sometimes we do that. We don't understand that we are mentoring people as we go along doing that. But for a a child, an immigrant child who grew up in the Bronx um, to be given mo- role models that then you, I still think of Verdery all the time when I'm doing some work here. Um, And when I was dancing, the choices that were made um, and and how that was done. So that was um, it was instrumental to me just just as much as Tina was instrumental for me. Um, From the the artistic point of view, you know, even when I was running a program to be able to have a conversation and listen to the the knowledge, the experience um, was very impactful. And, you know, this is the thing um, that we need to understand today that we really want to give black and brown voices an opportunity. You give them an opportunity by giving them the chance um, to learn from you. Um, and giving them platform, and I think that both Verdery and Tina gave me a specific platform to grow and develop. Now, of course, there was me, and I just grabbed on and latched onto it. So that's just me. <laughs> but um, I think that that's that's um, a very beautiful thing that that I still hold dear.
0: Well, let's talk about Tina the great Tina Ramirez, and the beginnings of Ballet Hispanico, going back further in time here. What was the mission for the company as Tina originally conceived of it? Why did she want to start a company? And what needs was she hoping to meet?
2: Well, she had to start a company because she had a school full of children that she was training to be professional. And they were now teenagers, and there was no company that would hire them. And you know, she um, in, she, inherited Lola Bravo's Spanish dance studio in, in 1963. Um, and so she was training in Spanish dance forms. There are lots and lots of dance forms from Spain. And the city was asking for performances because those were also challenging times in our neighborhoods. Um, Uh, So she created it. It was just, it had to happen. There was no one else to do it. And of course, no one told her how hard it was going to be. And so it was really all about giving black and brown children a place in dance, giving Hispanic cultures a place in dance, um, bringing these cultures to the public in a way that introduced them to Hispanic cultures. Um, no one really knew what Hispanic dance forms were. Even there were just not that many dancers who knew the forms. And so it was a whole new aspect of movement that um, she was bringing to life in the dance field. Um, it was a whole lot of challenges all at once. Uh, pretty amazing. I mean, the company school has
0: been central to its work from the beginning, it seems like, and it remains so now. Why was it so important to the organization's mission in the early days? Why does it continue to be so? And then how have you seen the impact of its education efforts sort of ripple out into the Latinx community? That was like six questions. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) Well, certainly in those days, um, there had been an enormous migration of Puerto Ricans to, largely to New York City. And Valley Hispanico and Spanish cultures were a part of their heritage where they could feel pride and ownership. And so the school became a way of bringing those children into the community and giving them a different future and giving them a a different way to approach the world um, and giving them their own strength. Um, So it was deeply embedded in the community and the evolution of the Latinx community in this country.
1: I just I'm I'm going to kind of wrap both the previous question and this one, you know, for a Latina woman to forge ahead at a time where um, we were dealing in New York City with white flight. Everyone had moved to the suburbs. A uh, black and brown communities were left to fend in rotting neighborhoods. Yep, so yep, when, yep. when you hear Verdery say there was no other choice, there was no other choice. And so you had incredible people at that time, Tina being one of them, Ailey had already started, Arthur Mitchell with DT, really focusing these mavericks, these people saying, my community needs help, needs support, needs a way of looking at themselves differently. And that is the thing, is it's, it's to change the... Uh, The trajectory of a young child from I am not worth, I don't belong, to I am at the table and I am guiding my own future. And while we still think it's just dance, it's not just dance. Because when you're poor and you walk into even teen at that time where you see nurturing, where when you live in the projects or somewhere else and you don't get that, your life changes forever whether it's minuscule or whether it's huge. and I've seen the huge and I've seen the huge that this um that this mission has accomplished in many, many children. And so it's important for for me certainly to maintain and um expand Tina's uh, school, the idea of a school because that's where we started. That's the center of it. the heart, you know, is, the heart is dance. The backbone of this organization is education.
2: Yes, <laughs> this a nicely put. <laughs> Thank you. Well, let's talk a little more about the
0: work that is and has been required to preserve and to build on Tina's legacy. How else have you seen the company grow and evolve over the years? And what do you see as natural directions for it to continue to grow?
2: You know, when she started, there were no works by Hispanic choreographers. I mean, there were no Hispanic choreographers. There was was this huge void other than the traditional forms of Spanish dance that had come from Spain. And so she went to friends. She went to Tally Beattie and Jeffrey Holder and um, people who could, who understood um, what she was trying to do and could speak to the Hispanic culture and work with students who were learning, you know, fast, all these different forms of, of dance voices, and so for a very long time, it was really about finding someone who could envision, who could turn her vision into a stage work, bringing, and then bringing that to the public who knew nothing about Hispanic cultures, and so you were training an audience as much as you were training, you know, the dance field, and, When Eduardo came, it was a very subtle but critical shift in how that mission became real, and became manifest. And I'll let Eduardo talk about that.
1: Um, So I I just, I want to go back because I always get so excited and I've spoken about it, I've written about it. um, uh, And this whole uh, way Tina started and the way I see it, what a beautiful thing to go to friends and to go to black friends to understand that at that point we were not we were working together. You know, this this city was built by black and brown young kids. I mean, the the music, everything that came out of hip-hop, vogue, this was together. I mean we're you know we're in a society that's now much more polarized. And so Tina understood that that we needed to work together. And so to have works like Tally Beattie, you know, um, let's let's be quite frank, the African diaspora is strong in the Latinx world. 14 million enslaved people were brought to the new world. Only 400,000 came to America. Where did everybody else go? To Latin America. And so you can't disassociate yourself although people continue to try. So, and that's why it's important to understand that relationship that that their diaspora is our diaspora as well. And while we still have issues about proximity to power and all that stuff and how passing has happened, this is a legacy that we live with. And so the beauty of, of Tina doing that in the beginning was breaking that up already, although it wasn't explicit. And that's where I come in. I made it clearly explicit of what was being done and what we're doing to further expand and enhance. And so what I've what, what I um tried to bring to BH is a sense of that wider diasporic um legacy that we we as Latinos and our Latinidad or Latinas, Latinx, Latine, I want to make sure that everyone knows that I include. But that 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 is important to understand that I can bring into the the um, organization a Filipino choreographer because that is of the Spanish diaspora that's also part of us. I can bring in an, an African choreographer because that is from our African diaspora and somehow or other. So to start undoing that that stereotype and box that we've been put into is what's really developed in these years under my watch um and then also to take back some of the narratives that um have you know been in our in our history for years of who gets to tell our stories um and why and so more women telling stories, more choreographers telling stories about Evita or Carmen or or these, you know, icons that everyone goes, oh, that's Latin, that's the Latino, that's Latina. Is it? And so it is when we're telling it. Um, And so how do we create and recreate? So as we move forward, I think that that's where we continue to really grow is now not only going to the icons, but continuing to create new stories and add the voices of the now and the future.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. And I think you've essentially answered a question that I had later on the list. I tend which to was to that. I'm so sorry. No, don't apologize. That's a journalist's dream. But the question was, and it's a, a complicated question. I think some people think of Ballet Hispanico as sort of the ailee of the Latinx dance world. How do you feel about that kind of comparison?
1: I think that's a problem within itself that we have in this world. We love to categorize. We love to put things in boxes and it's just not right to say that. We are we are brothers and sisters in the same fight of what we're trying to um, show about our cultures. Ailey's this big, big company. It's a big ballet company and it's lovely. And I love Ailey. I was trained in Ailey, at Ailey for some time. But I love the connection I have with a smaller vehicle. Um, and the vehicle is growing, so I can't say smaller anymore. The vehicle has grown. But I don't know, there's there's something extremely important for me that I am still on the ground. So my leadership is about on the ground. And that's because I'm I'm a direct descendant of Tina. So I guess I've answered your question in a different way. I just don't think there's a comparison, and there should be.
0: I like answers that are challenging the premise of the question. I think that's great. Thank you. (laughs) So, Verdery, I have a question specifically for you now, because we talk to a lot of artistic directors on the podcast, but we actually don't often speak with executive directors. And I think their perspective on all of these questions is crucial. So I'm wondering, when you were executive director at Ballet Hispanico, for the more than three decades you were there. How did you see your role in the cultivation and the preservation of
2: legacy? You know, um, I'm probably not the best person to ask um, because I, I feel like I was clueless. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure anyone quite understood the scope of Tina's vision um, I remember our first night at the Joyce Theater in 1983 and one of our board members came in and she was handed a playbill. Now we had been doing New York seasons all over the city with beautiful handmade, you know, with loving care programs that we zerox and folded and handed out. And here was a playbill and she picked it up and she looked at it and she looked at me and she grinned and she said, who'd And thunk? And that's the first time. I said, well, Tina did. She always had a vision that went so far into the future that it was a given. And you're just working, trying to put the pieces in place that you're working with at that moment. And there keep getting to be more pieces. And then and then you hand it off and you realize the vision itself, you can trans, you can give that job to someone. And they will take it and run with it. That's how huge that vision was. Um, and Eduardo's done such a beautiful job that it just, it all feels very natural. Um, you don't think about it when you're doing it. It's just natural. That's because you were a good executive director. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of work too. I will also say that.
0: <laughs> well, so now, Eduardo, you're part of this new generation of company leadership and you've talked a little already about how important having the mentorship of Tina and of Verdery has been to you can you expand a bit on the advice they've shared that's been especially helpful
1: huh there's um there there's <laughs> let's start with tina uh, you know i i still say a lot of what tina says said to me that i really thought was important you know that really helped dancers understand artistry and artistry as she saw it, you know, intentionality, the intention and focus of preparing for your form. And 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 it's like making the decision beforehand and having a plan um, to be on stage. What is that for you? And then also, you know, one of the things that Tina really gave me is a hunger for curiosity. She for some reason felt that I was the I was the dancer that she had to. Give the New York Times. After she had read it, she's like, "Read it." Um, she would give me articles. She would give me books, and she knew that I loved it, so I just did. I just ate it up. Um, and so she wanted us also to be very thoughtful in how we approached our roles, very theater-like, uh, because she worked in the theater. So she she had approaches of method acting and and things like that. That to this day. You know, the dancers say, well, how did you know that? Well, how did, and that's like, because I had the that experience, I was giving this, I'm giving you these tools. So she really taught me that dance is a passed down knowledge. I, I love Laban, I love Laban, I love everything that, uh, and how to notate. There is nothing like having someone who did the role before you sit down and talk about what you're doing. And whether it's abstract or whether it is l- narrative and linear it's the same thing you are passing down such emotion strength hope and and that's th- she gave me that from burdery um it was applying yourself um and i said that earlier and um the you know <laughs> understanding that you can't take no for an answer um because i remember i don't know if you remember i we were doing the the uh shelter program and i had to run out and find lunch and breakfast for the kids <laughs> yeah. i'd never done any fundraising or any, that's called fundraising who knew and uh she was like well go 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 check mcdonald's see if they, they they're they'll do this and and i know you could do just don't take no for an answer you, you can do this and i did and mcdonald's gave us for two weeks for Two programs, um, uh, breakfast every morning, and then I got a restaurant to give us lunch for kids living in homeless shelters, which was remarkable. What we did for those those young people, they will never forget, and so that stays with me, um, to this day. And how I pass that on from both these um amazing women to the artists that I, on a daily basis, I remind them who. Um, Ballet Hispanico is or my staff because now we have a bigger staff Um, you know what is that and you know it's so funny we're now talking about a new strategic plan and all of this that we're talking about comes up all the time.
0: Actually here are some questions that probably also come up during those planning sessions. Uh So in Ballet Hispanico's work today and this is for both of you How do the two of you see the balance between, on the one hand, nurturing and building the Latinx dance community, and on the other, fostering engagement with and understanding of these dance traditions in the non-Latinx community?
1: How did we or how do we now, is what you're saying, right?
0: Uh, I guess it was sort of a bit of both. How you used to, how you do now, where the overlap is, and what the evolution has been.
1: So I think Vernery said it earlier, it was you know that's the thing about immigrant communities that there's no no option to fail you you have to do it and that you know we come from that from tina saying seeing oh my god my community there was no option we must do it i'll say that and then follow that up with <clears throat> but once you're here and you're established what we continue to do is just by being and surviving. And that's thanks to the um, structure that Verdery built in order to sustain this organization, because in sustaining, you are calling attention to everyone, how important this mission is, how important the culture is. And so that, that's a big, that's a big part of that. And then I will follow up that up with then representation matters as we've, we've heard said, and In Ballet Hispanico, we look at representation in this beautiful rainbow of art, whether it's the company um, doing a new work, whether we are nurturing um, new artists, telling their stories, whether it's the school where they're learning Indigenous Latin forms, whether they're learning Spanish dance or or whether it's our cap which is our engagement arm, whether we're going into a community or a um, a school and teaching oh. non-latinx people, the, the value, the love, the care, the beauty that is in this, that is kind of like a beautiful rainbow or a fan when you open it up. And that's how we sustain that. We're looking at it across organizationally. We can serve all these purposes um, to have people who are both Latinx and not Latinx come in and explore and have a cultural dialogue.
2: And once you've been engaged with Ballet Hispanico in whatever role, you're gonna carry that forward with you. I can't tell you how many people of every age, color, size, um, if you mention Ballet Hispanico, suddenly you, you are in a community immediately um, because you are part of, of coming through Ballet Hispanico. And I'm so proud of that. It's one of those things that fills my life with joy and you you keep it in your life because it it brings such value to the world and um, and you treasure it
0: i wanted to talk a little about advocacy too because well artists have always been advocates it does seem like the intersections between artistry and advocacy have become more evident and, and more frequent recently but How has advocacy informed Ballet Hispanico's work from the beginning? Verdery, maybe you can speak to that. And then how does it continue to inform the organization's work
2: now? You know, it wasn't easy um, in those early days um, trying to get the attention of of donors, for example. Sometimes I think it was my name that opened the door to actually get a meeting with someone, um, which is a terrible thing to say. But... Of course, once Tina got in, they would ask a question and she would stand up and dance the answer. I mean, how can you resist that? Um, I think the world has gotten a little better. I won't say it's gotten a lot better because it hasn't, but I think you just you, you you can't take no for an answer. It's you know, you keep pushing. So I'll let Eduardo deal. I mean, Eduardo is now like all over the world um a representative of Bala Hispanico and of Latinx cultures and and the future.
1: Oh, thanks, Verdu. You know, I just want to uplift and embrace your allyship and how I mean what you said is 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 so important for today that you recognize something like, yeah. well, they were listening to me first, and then that you gave that platform to Tina. That's that's to me gold magic. And I think it's such an example for for the world. So thank you.
2: You're quite welcome.
1: <laughs> advocacy is interesting to me. There are so many aspects of advocacy, um, but I'll, I'll just put it right now. Thought leadership is very important for me and for this organization. And as we move forward, there is an aspect of that in everything we do, and that is the advocacy and how we're putting our voices to also um, uh, deconstruct um, old ways of thinking of Latinx dance. Um, and reconstruct a new way of speaking and of sharing that. Um, it's not over, as, as Verdi said. There's some things that are much better. We tend to live in a bubble in New York City. And until you go out there and and you face even more microaggressions yeah. or macro sometimes. You don't understand that there's still a lot of work to do. And so the advocacy that that we live on a daily basis at Ballet Hispanico is about, one, uplifting the voices of Latinx artists, and two, um, uplifting our stories, and three, uh, coming together and bringing people together, unifying people around an art form and the beauty of these artists in order to then start cracking the conversations, because, you know, there's going to be, if, if Valley Hispanic was in in town, you know, there's going to be a talk back after the show and I'm not holding back and I'm, we're going to talk truths and we're going to say why this, this choreographer decided to do. And I think, um, I'm just going to finish up by saying that it's in the work as well. So the choreographers that you're choosing and what you're asking them to say or represent is also extremely important for for us, that it's not representative of a tradition or a folklore, but that it is representative of a choreographic vision for the culture.
0: What do you see as the largest challenges facing Latinx dance artists in the United States today? This is a dissertation prompt, I know.
1: It is a dissertation. Um, for me, one of one of the big issues right now is getting into the conversation, into the equity conversation. In America, the equity thing is a Black and white conversation, and Latinx people st- uh, find themselves invisibilized by the conversation. We want to be part of this conversation and be included. We are brown also. And I think that there are other, there are Asian Americans, there are this. And it feels like the media and the country focuses on one aspect, which really, please hear me out. That needs a lot of focus, a lot. But we can't just leave everybody off. You know, that's that's the way we used to work before. Oh, let's just work on this right now. And then we'll try to work on that. How do we work as a, the same way Tina worked and she and and Arthur Mitchell and Ailey and they got their friends and they brought everybody together and we have to make work and we have to do that. I I think that's our one of our largest challenges right now. I know that these kinds of conversations are very um, delicate um, and I don't want to take anything away from anyone. Uh, like I said, that, you know, I I just think we're very polarized, and when you're in a polarized society, then someone loses yeah. because you're just looking at the edges.
2: I see it in the individuals that um, a number of former dancers and students that have come out of Tina's training and her company and her school and are making their own careers in the dance world to to keep to have the stamina to keep trying to move forward with your career um, and to keep building on it and to find that niche or that crack that you can somehow get through to get to the next level. It takes a stamina that I can't even fathom and they're doing it. They're doing it successfully. Um, They are intrepid. um, They are powerful in their voice and, I just, if there's anything I can do to support them, you know, I will do that um, because it, it's, it's really one by one, you know, you, you start to, to whack away at that giant wall. So I'll end with another enormous
0: question, but a more hopeful one this time. What makes you excited about the future? The future of Ballet Hispanico, of the Latinx dance community more broadly, and of the dance community in general.
2: Oh, I have to speak first, <laughs> I, you know, what brings me hope and excitement is just simply going to see what Ballet Hispanico is doing. Um, to to go to to go to their first presented engagement at you know or doing the New York season, and the house is packed. And the piece is phenomenal. And the dancers are completely off the charts, amazing. And the piece finishes and you're in tears and the whole house is standing and cheering. And you just say, oh, this, 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 you know, we've gotten here. And then I thought, who'd have thunk? And then, and then you just know that Eduardo is taking it forward. Um, and you, I have such confidence in that. And then to go to the the open house and see these children, some of them are wearing dance costumes that were created. I won't even want to go back how far, um, but it's the creativity and the and the encouragement and the training and the the getting things done um, with the resources you have at hand for children. And I just sat there and thought, this this cannot get any better. I mean, it just to see that. Ability to flourish and grow and bring such beauty and excitement into the community, into these children, into the dance world. is just, uh, I'll just be floating on that um, into the future for as long as I live.
1: That's beautiful.
2: It's the real thing.
1: Thank you, Verterita. For me, what excites me about the future of Ballet Hispanico is um, that, that we've, laid, all of us, I mean, Verdery, myself, we've laid some really strong foundations on, you know, Tina's vision. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be here for a long time. Uh, and that that is an exciting thing. The other exciting thing is, I'm, while I have issues with these new generations, these new kids, <laughs> as I say to them, about dance and artistry, I am so moved by the way they're galvanized and how they take on things and when I tell them we're an advocate they they're like I'm in I'm what's the advocacy we're doing today that they're not afraid that they walk in with me into incarcerated spaces to teach dance that this new generation is not scared of advocacy of um, self care, and of also identity self identity realizing who they are and are not afraid to say this is who i am and it just wells my heart when a dancer says i chose to be in this company because this company represents who i am this is a mirror that i hold up to myself on a daily basis and that's that's why i know what what we've what was started here the values that continue to live here and that are moving on even stronger into the future.
0: Oh that's kind of a great place to end. Eduardo and Verdery, thank you so much for making the time. I know your schedules are totally bananas, so I really appreciate it. And thank you for all the important work you're doing in the field.
2: Well thank you. Thank you. Uh,
0: yeah. One more huge thank you to Eduardo and Verdery. In the show notes, we have information about Ballet Hispanico's upcoming performances of Doña Perón at the Kennedy Center. The company will be there from November 30th to December 3rd. And if you're not in the DC area, don't worry, because Ballet Hispanico is going to be on tour nearly every weekend from February through early June. So odds are good they're coming to a city near you soon. We've got information about their tour schedule in the show notes too. Thanks so much to all of you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a headline rundown episode recapping all the top dance news stories. Until then, keep learning, keep ad- until then, keep learning, keep advocating, and keep dancing.